Hello and welcome to a very excitable edition of the Pitbox podcast. Um, excitable because McLaren got not only a win, but a 1-2 in Monza. Really excited about that. And I always said throughout this year that if McLaren were going to win a race this year, it would be in Monza. And they did. I said it right back from episode one. My name is Chris Steers. I'm, of course, joined by my regular co-presenter, Emma Delaney. And we also have a very special interview with Shane Kelly on the way in around 10 minutes time. So don't go anywhere. First, though, Emma, it's over to you. What's your view then on that very controversial crash between Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton? Well, I'll be perfectly honest. I don't know what to say. I'd like to say it was a racing incident. You had two drivers fighting for points and it's important, important for both of them. I honestly don't think there was anything malicious in it. Um, These sausage curbs, they've been a bane for a while, haven't they? They've caused a few accidents, I think. Um, I do think it was a racing incident. And I think, to be honest, Verstappen was quite unlucky to get the penalty. Unlucky for Max Verstappen, but lucky for Lewis. The halo was on his car. It saved his life. And once again, proving its worth in the sport. Why are we still talking about the halo being on the cars? It's it's a necessary feature. And it saved the lives of Charles Leclerc, Romain Grosjean, and now Lewis Hamilton in the sport. Incredible how much force and G-force went through that incident at the weekend. And the fact that Lewis has only come out of it with a sore head, it's pretty incredible. So obviously I looked into the halo a little bit um, after the incident because I didn't know a huge amount about it. Um, I knew it was put on for safety. Um, I was looking at things like Massa when the wheel came off and hit him, um, that sort of scenario. But I actually found out, do you know, it will take the weight of a London bus. The FIA website actually states it can um, hold the weight of two African elephants. That's incredible for a, a small safety device on the car. It's proving its worth yet again this sport. And the accident wouldn't have actually have happened if it was not for the pit stop errors of both Mercedes and Red Bull. Very slow pit stops from both Max Verstappen's crew and Lewis's crew as well. But McLaren capitalised on that. What a race from them. Who's your winners and losers from the weekend, Emma? Well, obviously, I'm agreeing with you, McLaren. um, They've shown us glimpses of things to come, I think. And the one-two at the weekend, it was fantastic. It was deserved. They've always been quite solid in midfield. um, And they have now got a real chance of getting third in the constructors. And it would be great to see them challenging at the top in the next couple of years. Also on my winners, Daniel Ricciardo, obviously. Um, I'm not so sure if the accident hadn't have happened, that he wouldn't have still been on that podium. I honestly think it was a fantastic drive from him. I really do. Um, And I just think totally, totally well-deserved. My other winner, Bottas. I mean, he had a great drive and to top it all, he actually looked happy and comfortable. But to go from 19th to third, it was just brilliant after a great sprint race. I think we're going to see a bit more from him. Well, the McLaren social media pages have been absolutely nuts and rightfully so. And Daniel Ricciardo, I thought was really fitting, has put his trophy next to Senna's final victory in Adelaide uh, in Australia. So he's got it in the same trophy cabinet as Senna, his hero. It's crazy. And Lando Norris getting P2 as well. I never thought I'd see a McLaren 1-2 this year. I knew I'd see a win at some point, And I was hoping Monza because it's one of those great overtaking tracks. 
Now though, uh, we're going to move on from that race weekend because we have got a very special guest. Um, earlier this week, I caught up with Shane Kelly, who is a racing driver, to put it simply. And I asked him a few questions about what it's like to be a racing driver, what the sort of G-forces are you subject to, uh, and also asked him about how he got into the sport as well. Hi, I'm Shane Kelly. I'm a professional racing driver for the University of Wolverhampton and other car companies. Thank you for joining me on the pit box today, Shane. It's a real pleasure to have you on, and I've been really looking forward to this interview. Uh, so, my first question is: What made you want to get into motorsport? Oh well, I mean, I think it's I think it's so patchy when I was a kid. It, I think it's my dad. Um, he was a grass track racer back in the seventies in minis and things like that. And but I think I was a bit too young to be conscious of that. For me, I think it's just being around the Autosport magazine. I think that's always, he always had that. And, and I think that's what sort of sparked it. And, and then seeing pictures of cars and things. And he did a bit of Formula Ford racing when I was actually in the old Silverstone um, school back in sort of, I think, early 80s, you know. I think he, I think actually Senna was doing his licensed stuff then back in them days and then them sort of early days. And I think I remember him saying, so that's how long ago it was. And so, yeah, the Silverstone race school back in the 80s, I think that's always oh, sticks in my mind what he was doing. So I think that's probably planted the seed and just the mechanicals of the cars and, and actually playing with bikes and things outside and I, I think that has always built from that i always count myself as very lucky to be paid to race cars to be paid to drive a car for a manufacturer or to do anything like that and and i always especially where i've come from i come from a builder's family and and you know and that's what i had to do to to pay for tires and things and and to be able to do that and so straight from school and without any education you could say but i think it was after taking a risk and, and buying my own racing car uh, in form for Formula Three, which is called ARP back then, and, and that got changed to, to F3 Cup, which it is now, and where I currently race. So taking that chance back in in 2004, doing my own team with a, a bunch of amazing sort of friends, and, and then, who were doing motorsport engineering at that point, and much better than I was, and to be able to to win a championship with that, you always you hear stories, I suppose, against the odds, and and, and actually be able to do that and and move on and and put yourself in the picture to be able to do things. Before them, there three days when I when I committed to buying a car, I, I already went through the rate Silverstone Race School uh, in '99, and and. I won my first car championship in, in 99 in Formula Ford 1600s through, through Silverstone and BRDC, which was great because we, we, we actually threw, threw everything out of that, even though it's a small championship and a, a sort of one circuit or two circuit championship. For us, it was like a big commitment from the old man and me. And, and we were going, and we were basically, it was, if you, if you know good, we go home and, and we won't pursue that again. And, and we go and put some more, build some more houses and stuff. And, and and unfortunately for him, I won it, and actually, and, and that sort of moved us on. So we actually nailed a sponsor for the next year, and that was amazing. And um, and we did we stayed with BRDC. We did the, the the bigger championship, and that was you know that was with sort of the likes of sort of Rob Rob Huff and even Takuma Saito dipped in at that point to get his license and things. And you know Aaron Scott, great drivers like that. We were, we were sort of battling, and and it was great. And that was a bit of a learning year for me for that. And and. But I thought, well, actually, this is easy. You know, got, we've got a 45 grand sponsor to go and do this thing. And, and then I got asked to test F, British F3 you know, in, in the end of 2000, 2001. And um, that was with uh, Fred Goddard Racing. And, um, and that, that was next door to where Button was. And, and at Silverstone, at Promotechnic. Button's management sort of approached us as well. And we said, we use the same management and, 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 get, and we, you know, we're, we're getting somewhere. And, from, and for me, it was actually sort of a imposter syndrome you know and, and I think 
it was it was coming quite fast and uh, and the deal didn't quite come off with Goddard and then all of a sudden you're left with was not a lot and I think that the breaks don't come that easily and and I think there's a facade of yeah it couldn't look all rosy and then the biggest thing for me was making my own luck with the team my own way biggest thing I've actually stick with going forward you know what I found was I think I was probably not not very worldly in them days either coming from that that sort of Formula 4 days I enjoyed them but coming from a sort of patchy karting same same idea with the with the cars really and not having enough money to do it and and doing it on 100 pound a week to try and you know and, and it's impossible to do actually doing it at my own pace maybe i'm slower than the average person to, as in like catching up with life for me it was chipping away and chipping away and i knew what I, I could do but maybe it took ages to or longer to put that into practice and 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 actually it, it, it sort of come to me a bit later in or a bit more seasoned driver nowadays and, and actually using that them tools now, which I've learned. So I find it incredible how you've driven a form of F3 car because there's so many different variations of F3. And of course, the F3 we know and love is the support race for Formula One. So how does your category differ and has it helped drivers on their way up the grid to Formula One? But there's so many variables, like you said. You can go European, you can go in so many F3 championships and... and um, I suppose we like to say that we drive, or in F3 Cup, is the real F3 cars. What, what you see in like the Euro Formula series, them cars, the big plenum chambers on the side of them, the big air intakes, and and that's that's what F3 cars are about. Predominantly Dallara chassis as well. Um, they've sort of got a monopoly Mercedes engine um, or Spice engine um, Volkswagen, but predominantly Mercedes nowadays in in, in EF. And really, this year, F3 Cup is a UK sort of overspill of them cars, European cars was British F3 cars, normally around three years older than the actual brand new. And again, that developed from called from ARP into Club F3, same championship. I won that in 2006, that's with my team. And then it got rebadged again by MSBR called um, F3 Cup. So some great drivers going through, you know, Ocon, um, I think Carlos Sainz Jr. done a bit in there as well. It's It's got good pedigree because the cars are great. The cars are high premium, they're, they're expensive cars to run, but they're solid and they're the quickest cars in the country to drive so um they are the serious bits of kit and the british f3 are a tatus built chassis with a more of a sort of a i think it actually derived from the um didn't the motorsport uk formula or, or it came from a, a different um business plan i suppose business model that it would be a cheaper cheaper car to run because british f3 did sort of price itself out of the UK, if you like, you know, with budgets of say seven hundred thousand quid. I think that you know, then Daniel Ricciardo era from British F3 sort of finished it off after that. And because it, it, like most championships in the UK, they outprice themselves, like Formula Renault, for instance, and things. So unfortunately, they are expensive cars to run. I think um, F3 Cup do a good job to keep the, the budgets where they are, and um, I'm lucky to to race with a university team as well. So. It's sort of a marriage made in heaven, really. It's nice kit. Students can learn from it as well. So Yeah, motorsport in general is, is quite an expensive sport to be in, not just for the driver, but team owners, uh, mechanics and everything. It's just not a cheap sport to be around. Um, you've touched upon getting students involved and driving for the university team. And the university that I went to, Staffordshire University, actually have their own racing team too. They enter it into Formula Student. I think they've got a Formula Renault car as well. Um, so can you tell me about your experience with working with students and, and how how that helps them in their journey to getting their dream job. Yeah, that's another dynamic for me, really, because education driving was was a different challenge in a sense of budget straight away when you're doing, especially if something as high as premium as F3. The word on the street is you're 
blowing the taxpayers' money on driving Formula 3 cars around and paying your wages, which is not the case. Um, I'm very lucky to have a, a big uh, haul of sponsors that we are actually self-sufficient as an F3 team, as an education establishment, like you said, with Formula Student as well, um, University of Wolverhampton, Formula Student, and we actually are works Morgan factory team as well. So we run the Morgan um, race cars and build them and develop them. A lot of stuff going on for student experience, which is un unbelievable. And um, when we have open days and, and visitors in saying, you know, I think it's more of the parents that want to go back to university. Say, Hang on, we didn't have this as well. when I was entering university. And But yeah, the, the, the F3 dynamic is one is actually sort of, I suppose, built on some of my enthusiasm to really what I've learned from, I actually work for another ed education establishment down in the South Coast which is more college-based, so smaller budget, etc. There's some good teams and bad teams, and there's some universities that have had a go at doing the racing and, and not been that successful, or the race car looks quite poor, pumping oil out of it on the pit lane or whatever. But you can see, I've seen this firsthand and seen some some bad examples of motorsport engineering in a sense. I know it's all learning at the end of the day, but what I didn't want to be with the race team we run is, are we a university? We want to go and actually race against professional teams. and and students will get that experience winning and losing at the highest level we can we aim quite high with what we do the car like i said is a premium car it's it's, it's we actually run a delara 08 11 car with a honda engine the only honda on the grid actually this year which become is becoming an old package nowadays and, and geometry wise we can't quite keep with the mercedes but it, although we are leading our class leading the championship so we run it like a mini F1 team, if you like. We've actually got um, engineers on all corners. We've got data, two data engineers. We've got tire techs, right from logistics all the way from, you know, like I say to the, the team, we start mopping the floor to the podium, basically. All of that and, and more. So it's an emotional year, you know, we 17 rounds, um, seven venues. And so it, it's we do put the, the students through that. And for me, like I said, it's, it's there's no excuses. You can't say, oh, because we're a university, we can do badly. That's not an option. That's how we base it. And and one of only a few that actually, or probably only the only one who owns our cars and, and actually runs them to the full capacity, you know. I liked what you said there about students, how sometimes there can be an excuse that, oh, it's okay to be bad because we're university students. And I like your ethos there because a lot of students that I know, they're some of the hardest workers around. And obviously this is an industry, motorsport industry is an industry where it's always looking for fresh blood and new talent, mainly because there's a lot of people retiring um, as well. So there's, there's, there's that thirst for new and fresh blood in the teams. Obviously as well with Formula One doing a massive change next year as well. It's a perfect chance for, for people to get involved almost. So w w would you agree with that? Well, for me, life experience as well is I can't learn. I need to be hands on. And, and we have a lot of students coming in who need to be hands-on, which helps their academic study. That ignites more from a student, for me. I've seen firsthand with the team, and they can understand these geometries, the flat patch stuff, all the geometry setups we do, aero stuff. It, then it relates back to the course, and then and it ignites their sort of academic side, which so it doesn't come easy for a lot of people, and um, and definitely wasn't for me. So it's it's important that they can see that and and. And build on it. And I think I like to chuck people in the deep end of it. You know, you, you mentioned former student, and I've seen from all the universities they put a lot of effort, design, and things to actually get cars right ready. You, you, you don't see that background, do you? You, you, see, you, you see just the, the product, the end product car that maybe doesn't finish the endurance race or doesn't the tilt test or something, and then it's deemed a bad job. But actually, they were thrown in the deep end. I, I as a kid, I liked responsibility. I thrived on that responsibility to do something. So 
I think that's that's what it's about. Experience is key. I think you can't you can't learn otherwise. I completely agree with what you've just said there about you know being thrown into the deep end. I thrive off a good challenge, uh, and definitely in the motorsport industry, I think it's something that you have to you learn best being thrown into the deep end you have to set yourself a challenge like that set the bar high uh, and i thrive off stuff like that and i think that works in any any industry and in any workplace um, we've spoken about the misconceptions about students now we're going to talk about the misconception of a racing driver because you are a racing driver and this is the main reason why i've been looking forward to this interview is because you know it's just incredible what you do and what you, what the forces your your body go under in in a car at speed, and the misconception is you're not sports people, you're not athletes. I think you are because the amount of g force your body is subject to during a race is incredible. Uh, sometimes on the limit, you know, it, it, it's crazy. So can you share with me your experience as a driver and and what you've picked up along the way? So the F3 cars are. Are hard going. I mean, we just finished. Um, we we came away from Brands Hatch, and Brands is a, is on the indie circuit. Um, we haven't been there since 2016, but I remember it's probably one of our most physical race in 2016. We won. Um, unfortunately, we had P2 this time, but for me, that's the biggest the biggest challenge um, in Brands Hatch Indy because there's no as you as you probably know, there's a tiny little bit of straight in the rest of its corners. Um, and as I said before, we're the fastest championship in the country, so. Not in a straight line, but our corner speeds are massive. I mean, um, first corner, it's, it's Silverstone is flat in sixth, and you just go in at 142, 145 mile an hour. And we're still looking at 3G, three, you know, and just three and a half G sort of thing. So yeah, um, I I train four times a week. Um, I do CrossFit, um, and and but you have to stay light at the same time. So. Especially with our Honda package, we've got to keep. I've got to keep light because it's a heavy rear end on the car to keep and compete with the Mercedes. I've got about a three kilo buffer to not gain any more, more weight. So, it, yeah, it is important. And and I trained like hell to get to do the Brands Hatch round because I knew it would be really hard because the steering, the caster on the on the steering is is massive, and and you can't replicate that in the gym. Um, it's it, it's you can do your best, but. The steering, the steering car, so that the actual the force through the steering wheel in these cars is massive. And I think if you if you look back at um, drivers who did like GP2 days, where their their qualifying caster was massive, and you, you could hardly turn the wheel, and and that's what sort of thing we feel with the cars. And and it's it's anyone can drive a car around the track, but it's, it's with an with an F3 aero car, it's it's about them sort of that final second or then final tenth where, but it has to be consistent every lap because everyone's on it and probably underestimated slightly as well. Three and a half G in an F3 car, that's incredible. I think the best way of describing it for the people that don't know is G-Force is like three times the force of gravity and you experience that actually in your own road car if you go around a bend slightly too quickly, take a bend quickly or a corner too quick uh, and you, you, you can sort of feel yourself being pulled to the left or pulled to the right and that's the force, uh, hence the term G-Force and you experience that in the road car they experience that all throughout the race drivers and and this is why i've got so much respect for you shane because it's it's no easy task and it's even harder if it's in the rain because am i right in thinking your reflexes have to be really ultra quick in the rain because it can go wrong and be very life-threatening very quickly yeah definitely i love the wet um 
we to be fair, we had a bad experience on the first race in the wet. We showed we had the wrong tire choice, but um, for for the second, for the last race it was great, and we had, we, we were on par. And 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 that again, the wets are level as well. It levels the, the sort of deficiencies of maybe our Honda, and it works better. So um, yeah, it, it, I love that reaction. Every lap's different. Every as the time you come around, it's going to be a different surface, or a bit more grip or less grip. And it, but it does take a bit of that force away. It's, it's a different sort of a race then. You've got to concentrate and, and just think about like, being so smooth with the car and and, um, and using the aero. But then you've got to trust the aero as well at the same time. So someone like Paddock Hill at Brands Hatch first corner, you still want to carry as much speed as possible, but you, you need to trust the aero. And one thing I did learn is that um, from starting F3, it, was, it takes you a year or more to find out the actual maximum of the aerodynamics that these cars have, and, and it's true. It's really interesting hearing about your reflexes, and obviously just saying about driving in the rain is hard enough, but even just getting the start right, even in the dry conditions, can be hard, because you've got to get that start correct, you've got to nail it, because if you don't, you could be six, seven, eight cars back, and if you're at the front, for example, you could be halfway down the grid, you know, um, and if you get it too early you can be penalized equally so you, you it could be a false start essentially so you've got to be ultra quick on those reflexes and have confidence that you're gonna be getting that start correct and on time definitely and and there's little tricks for that as well we, we've got a little trick handbrake we use um especially like brands hatch like i said because it depends where you're on the grid you can roll downhill or uphill or you could be level depends where you want it to be able, if you, you want to have be rolling downhill that means your pole so, or in that front row, but um, yeah, we've got a, a trick handbrake because these cars you start at full flat out, and it's all it's all, all done by the clutch, and and you, you, you and then you moderate, and so having a handbrake, you can go full bite, and we're burning we're burning the clutch out basically on the start. And to be fair, we had some great starts this year, and it, it does work. But with the carbon clutch, you need to do the burnouts. You see the F ones do all the time. You need that heat in the plates so to make that work. So it's just a Again, another th another thing, another formula you need to use to, to to get the whole package together to win a race, and the start's obviously crucial, like you said. So Shane, before you go, because I've absolutely loved chatting to you on the pit box today, um, what would your advice be to a young person or a student? Because we're putting huge emphasis on young people on the pit box um, to showcase the opportunities there are in the sport. What would be your advice to someone that's thinking hmm, motorsport i could do that or i could give it a try what would your advice be there's a thing i do say to people no one wants a one-trick pony anymore you need to be a bit more broad broader minded in how how you look at stuff i'll be an error engineer yeah but you need to know how the car goes around before you do so all these things and if it's engineering base try and be a bit more broad and how the cars and xf or f1 engineers i talk to now they 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 journey through the team and they know a lot about a lot of things. Another thing is nothing will come to you. Be relentless. That's my mantra. I think be relentless at everything you do because and you'll you'll pee a lot of people off. But it's important that you will stay relentless because you'll you will find yourself at the top of the tree then. There's a lot of people going for the same things nowadays and you just need to be that. Shane, I could talk to you all day. It's been a real pleasure to have you on the pit box uh, and hearing your stories as a driver, your experiences and your hints and tips for young people trying to get into motorsport. It's been a real pleasure to chat to you um, and best of luck with the rest of the F3 Cup season. 
It was such a pleasure to chat to Shane and to hear all about his experience. That's it for this week on The Pit Box. Myself and Emma will be back after the Russian Grand Prix, so enjoy this weekend's racing. And hopefully we'll have a few surprises in store as well for this weekend. If it's anything like Monza, I'm going to be happy. This has been a Capella production produced and presented by Chris Steers and Emma Delaney with the support of Josh Lias on social media.